Hello and welcome to another edition of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. I'm your host, Michaels, and tonight we've got our qualifying final special episode. Um, we've got Sturge. Welcome back, Sturge. You're a regular on the show now, mate. Yeah, g'day, mate. Sorry. Uh, I hope the people of the board, the good people of the Richmond board, aren't sick of me by now, but um, we'll see how we go. Did you just tune out there for a few seconds? Did you? Do I have to edit that already? No, mate. I clicked the um, <laughs> mute button on the mic and forgot to unclick it. Off to a flyer. That's how, that's how we like to roll. And we've also got a, a special guest on tonight from the... Well, he, he hasn't posted on the Geelong board for a while, but he's very well-renowned on the Geelong board and is now working at the Geelong Advertiser. So, Ryan, welcome to you. G'day, guys. Thanks for having me on. Sturge, did you uh, start dreaming about grand finals then and, and lose track of thought? <laughs> Sturge? No, he's gone. sorry. No, I'm, I'm still here. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, I wouldn't be like a Richmond supporter to get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> the old, uh, Thanks one, for having me on, guys. No worries at all. It's actually quite funny. We were trying to find a, a Geelong poster to come on and Sturge inboxed, I think it was Dr. Gero, I think it was, one of the mods over there. It was. And he suggested uh, a few Not one different... of the mods. You'd never make Dr. Gero a mod. But, oh, okay. Um, yeah, he suggested a few people. And... Um, very came Rizzo came very highly recommended, but uh, didn't know how to get onto him. And luckily, Michaels has all these. Who knows how he has all these contacts? Has but he has all contacts. kinds of contacts. <laughs> no, Rizzo and I actually go a, a long way back in kind of weird story. We used to have our own um, like fantasy trading football game website on a one of those Envision free servers, whatever it was called. So. Yeah, been been a, a long time, but uh, Rizzo's gone on to some wonderful things at Geelong Advertiser. It's a it's a long time, isn't it? I reckon she said it have to be a good almost ten years ago, even yeah, more maybe. It'd be close. And funnily enough, I still have people requesting to join. I think we had a Facebook page on it. People are still asking to join it because it's called AFL Live, so they think they think it's the video game, but it's not. So I have to just keep declining people. You're ahead of your time. Yeah, that was good fun. Yeah. All right, well, uh, we'll get stuck into it. So what we usually do with all the guests that come on, Riz, is we usually ask them how they became a supporter of that club, and you're no exception. So how did you become a Geelong supporter? Uh, well, I'm a Geelong guy, born and bred, so I don't think you get much of a choice, do you? You're born into a Geelong family, and, and that's your option. It's Geelong, Geelong, and Geelong. We um, There are very few people that don't support Geelong down here, and the kids that managed to get through primary school without being brainwashed are generally pretty tough. So <laughs> I don't think I stood a chance any other way, really. <laughs> ah, fair it's enough. A, it's a long, been a long time. Very <laughs> passionate down there by the sounds of it. So I suppose just being the one team down there, it's um, yeah, it's all about the cats. Yeah, I think we're pretty lucky that we've, or in recent years, we've had a fair bit of success too. Like, I mean, even through the 90s and that, we didn't win many, but we had Gazza Senior who captured imaginations and, and Buddha Hawking and, and Paul Couch and some really good names that made watching footy really interesting as a young kid, I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. You've had some quality players come through along the way, which has, yeah, definitely helped. And you've got the lights now, so people must be pretty keen to have the lights at the stadium. Yeah, it's amazing the atmosphere that Friday night footy can create down here. It's um, probably had to wait till we got electricity to start pushing for lights, but since <laughs> we finally got electricity in Geelong, we, <laughs> we thought we may as well get some footy lights as well. No, it looks good. The other thing I like is the um, the glass floor where you can look into the change rooms. I thought that's a, that's a pretty good touch as well. Yeah, the uh, the new stand that they got down there is amazing. If anyone hasn't had a look and is going to venture down, or maybe not anytime soon now that Richmond uh, cracked the shits the other week, but um, 
the, the the glass floor, you can have a look at the players warm up in, and they've also got a cafe which overlooks the uh, warm up area as well. So if you go there on like a Thursday, you can watch the team warm up before training and that sort of stuff. So okay. really cool stuff if you're a Geelong fan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we we can't we, we can't wander down because you only give us two hundred tickets every time we play there, so it makes it a bit hard. <laughs> <laughs> Too many bandwagoners. <laughs> have you seen the uh, that new stadium? I've seen on the TV, and it looks like. They do all this great stuff with the Geelong change rooms. You know, they've got the glass roof and it's all really nice and open and that. And then they cut to the away team change room and it's like they either ran out of money or just went, nah, don't worry about the away team, just leave it. And it's, it's a dead set afterthought at Simmons Stadium, I reckon. That, they're pretty manky away change rooms for a pretty brand new stand. I don't mind that because to me, that can kind of be a bit of a mind game. So I've got no issue with that. No, it's not a bad thing. Like you see it a lot in the English Premier League teams and, and stuff like that. That the away change rooms are pretty minimal, and I think that's sort of the the trend they've gone with there. Yeah, yeah. At least it's not like local footy. I remember coaching some under sixteens, and we were in some um, a, like a, a porter change room virtually. So at least it's not down to that level yet. And you get hot water, so it's not all bad. Oh, it's a positive. <laughs> All right, we'll push on to the first topic. Um, speaking of venues, Riz, just want to get your thoughts on the game being played at the MCG from a Geelong perspective. So you guys obviously finished ahead of us in the ladder, and the AFL have, have deemed this game to be played at the G. From a Geelong perspective, how does that sit with you? Uh, I'll let me first I'll qualify it, and I'll say I understand totally why the AFL has decided to, to play it at the MCG. I think attendance-wise, it makes sense, obviously. Um, from a Geelong perspective, I think it still should be played at Simmons Stadium. And before you guys pick yourself up off the floor in fits of laughter, uh, just hear me out on this one. Um, I think what we found in the AFL is when it's moved into a national competition, we're caught between two leagues. So the interstate teams will get a home final no matter what. And the Victorian teams are still in that day where all finals are sort of played at the MCG and, and to a lesser extent, Etihad Stadium. Um, but Geelong finds itself in a really unique position where it really is the only Victorian team with a traditional home ground. I mean, obviously, there's a few teams that would obviously class Etihad or, or MCG as their home grounds. But in terms of a one-off standalone venue, we're the only Victorian team with that. So you got to, what you've got to ju- juggle up is that if the interstate teams are getting an advantage of playing at home because they've got their own ground where they play, then Geelong should also be getting that sort of advantage. Um, Obviously, the toss-up comes between attendances and, and that sort of thing. But fundamentally, if you want an equal competition, then Geelong should have the right to play their home ground games or home finals wherever they choose. I agree with 90% of that. And the only 10% I don't agree with, um, if they want it to be an equal comp, that's fine. But then my argument is how come Hawthorne, Essendon and Collingwood haven't played there for the best part of 10 or 15 years? If they played at Simmons Stadium on a on and off basis, kind of like what we do, I would then have no issue with playing a final at Simmons because it would, it would be deemed a legitimate home ground. But the fact that games are picked and choose what goes there and we're the only big club that goes there, it's like, well, is it really a fair and even competition? Yeah, I, I understand that. I think what we've got to understand too a little bit is the AFL plays a, a big part in, in terms of that in the scheduling. I think if Geelong had the chance to play every home game at, at Simmons Stadium, they'd, uh, they'd take that for sure. And I think the AFL sort of, in many ways, I wouldn't say bullied them into it, but Geelong was sort of pushed to have their two extra games at Etihad Stadium, which I think the club has said on the record that they're not massive fans about having those games there. 
Um, and then you've obviously got the Collingwood and Hawthorne games at the MCG, which we normally get every year or so. Um, what, I, what I'd like to see is that the AFL push to get all of the games down here and the, the Geelong sort of has got the venue now to, to hold it. Um, obviously, there's going to be teams that would rotate there more often than not, but I can't see why Geelong shouldn't be playing any team down there. I mean, AFL talks a lot about attendances and they like having that bandied around in terms of breaking the attendance record every year and, and that sort of thing. But I think what we've got to remember is that we're in a generation now where the, the way to see your team isn't just to go to the football. Maybe 30 years ago when you'd, you'd only be able to watch the highlights on a Saturday night, that's that's fair enough. Get as many people through the gates as you can. But with the with Foxtel, the internet, um, Telstra having their, their live app you can watch on your phone, I mean, if you miss out on a ticket, you can watch it in so many different ways now and, and maybe in previous years you couldn't. Yeah, no, they're de- definitely all valid points. And I think another big part, like you said, with the, the games being having to play it at Etihad, once that licence ticks over and the AFL own it all, if that's what they're going to do, I think that'll hopefully eliminate that as well because we hate playing there as well. I think it's ridiculous that we play a home game there because we just a shit out at that ground. So it's a disadvantage more than it's an advantage. But... No, it's definitely a good debate to have, and I think the AFL do need to sort it out, and I wouldn't be against it, you guys having all your home games there. I think it's it's a big enough stadium now and it could to be fully justified. So, Sturge, have you got any additional thoughts on that? Yeah, I'd just like to firstly say that I like how Geelong supporters forget about Sydney playing finals at ANZ when they claim that no one else is hard done by like them. So that's that's my first point. But um, in regards to us being the only team to go down there, like, who really cares at the end of the day, you know? Play where you're scheduled to play and it's not worth complaining about it. Um, I'm sure I'm sure everyone will get down there eventually and, like you said, they should be playing. If they want to play all their games down there, play all the games down there. Don't pick and choose like um, whoever it was, the Geelong president that said, oh, they want to play nine down there and then pick, hand-pick two games to play at the MCG. You know, it's either all or nothing. Yeah, I suppose there's a whole heap of different angles that we can go down, and there's obviously nothing It's not nothing that will be resolved anytime soon, but no, yeah, it would be nice to see a few more games down there because you just certainly have the facilities to do so. We'll uh, push Wait, on sorry, to... Just before, oh, go on. Sorry, just before you guys cry, we crack on, I saw another point that's worth mentioning, and, and I think it was a good one Sturge mentioned before, uh, in terms of Sydney playing at the um, at ANZ Stadium instead of the SCG. But we've got to remember, too, in, in 2004, Geelong hosted Brisbane at the MCG in a preliminary final due to a, a crappy arrangement that they had with the MCG to play a certain amount of finals. I mean, that's just a ridiculous situation, and, and thankfully we've moved on from there. But you're right, there have been other teams in the past that have been disadvantaged by some ridiculous laws or, or rules or agreements. Oh, yeah, and that Brisbane game was a joke, and that's why everyone kicked up a huge stink about it, and they changed the agreement with the MCG. Which is the right decision, so they've got, they got to change oh, of that. Of course, yeah. We'll push on to the... I want to talk about the thoughts on the bye week itself before finals and, and what everyone's thoughts are and how that can affect teams who go straight into the prelim. Obviously, last year, the first time they trialled it, I think the two teams that made the prelim straight away lost that game because they were playing one game in around 26 days. Uh, I don't think that's good for any team. You kind of lose that match hardness and momentum. Sturge, what are your thoughts on having the bye before the final start? Everyone talks about it and say, you know, that was the reason Footscray got up to uh, 
win, but in you know Sydney got absolutely robbed in the grand final, and um, you know it is tough to to play and have so many weeks off. But at the end of the day, the most of the time, the better team will win on the day, um, regardless of how much time they've had off. Yeah, fair enough. And what about yourself, Riz? What are your thoughts on this? Uh, I still think we need a larger sample size before I figure out if I'm for or against it. I mean, the numbers weren't great last year in terms of the, the teams that had the, the, the buy, then won the, the first final and then had the buy and then had to play in a prelim. Um, I think Geelong was one of those teams that uh, lost that prelim, obviously. Um, it's funny how last year I was totally against it and this year I've, I've kind of warmed to it considering the injuries and, and the players that Geelong are hopefully going to get back with that extra week's rest. Um, but I think it comes down a lot to the planning and, and the experience of, of knowing how to tackle the bye week or the extra the extra break. And I think that's where Geelong might be in a bit of an advantage over Essendon this week is that they had that extra week last year, uh, experimented with a few things and obviously ultimately failed. Uh, they've changed things up a little bit this this week um, in, in eyeing off that final. So I think it's an experience thing. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. But Certainly, if, if the two teams that, that win in the first week of finals and then get the buy and then go into the prelim and lose, I think there's a fair argument to say that it probably should be scrapped. Yeah, and what you said before about the injuries is spot on because the other club it also helps is Adelaide because they obviously had um, Walker and Tali. I think both missed the last game. And then Sloan, obviously, with his appendix taken out. So they, they obviously get that extra time to recover. And I think John Longmire actually kind of alluded to the fact that last year he was against it, but this year he's for it because his team's obviously gone on a massive stretch of, of wins and just to kind of recharge the batteries. So I think you're right. It is just going to be an experience factor. So it, it will be interesting to see how it does play out um, after the completion of the whole final series. And like you said, if both teams bomb out again, then there probably is something to look at. But uh, at the same time, you, I wouldn't be against having another two or three years just to see, like you said, that sample size and if it's a continuing trend or if it's just a form and experience thing. I noticed you uh, mentioned Geelong and Essendon there. Riz, are you looking forward to your semi-final already, mate? <laughs> I didn't want to mention it, yeah. but you did say. <laughs> Oh, it's going to be an interesting one, isn't it? Things get tight if you lose on Friday night for both teams. Yeah, the one thing that stands out for me, like while we both have the wrong side of the draw if we lose, which whoever wins out of us two has got a pretty good advantage for the prelim because it it should technically probably be against GWS or Port in a a Melbourne-based game. So that's a pretty good leg up. Well, talking to the guys in the office about it, this week, and we sort of all had this shared opinion that whoever wins on Friday night has got half a foot into the grand final, really, all things being equal, and, and the loser is legitimately looking at a straight set's exit. So, I mean, the stakes can't be any higher than that. Yeah, like, no one wants to play Sydney. Like, it's just, yeah, you don't want to go near there. And I think you're right. I mean, I know we, we can stuff up the, you know, anything, really, being Richmond, but, yeah, whoever wins has definitely got half a foot in the door because, it's yeah, it's a massive advantage. And if, you know... I think Essendon might be a sneaky chance to beat Sydney. Um, maybe they have to have all things running right. But, yeah, that's the only hope the losing team's got is if Essendon knock off Sydney. I reckon um, as well, just to completely go off track, GWS are a big chance if Sloan doesn't come up. And even if he does come up, uh, he's not going to be 100% because they rely massively on him. And GWS are really are hitting their straps. 
Yeah, that, that will be a big out. I mean, he won't be 100% like you said, so I, I feel like that if he does play, he will be targeted heavily by the Giants players. Um, so, that yeah, that could definitely turn the game on its head. But it's there's, there's bound to be one or two upsets this round. There always has been for the whole year, and I don't see it stopping now. Even West Coast, I mean, they're a chance to get up as well. They, they'll be full of confidence after their last win. Yeah, it's an interesting final series. It, it, it could follow the track of the home and away season. I mean, you, you look at the, the fixtures and you think, oh, they'll beat them and these guys are too strong, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, I think this year it's been proven that uh, no one's been really safe at all. No, and that's why I stopped doing a ladder predictor at about the halfway mark because there's literally no point in trying to work this out because anything can happen. Well, uh, we'll push and on to the... If... Oh, you go on. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, even when you look at the ladder, I mean, Adelaide finished on top. But and Geelong finished second, and only percentage split them. Now, if you were to say who had the better year, I mean Adelaide were by far the best team this season. But yeah, you know, they they only got the minor premiership by percentage, which is bizarre to think about it in that way. Yeah, I mean because they dropped their last two games. So, and even you, you know you go down to us below you. If we had have not let David Mundy mark the ball in the last five seconds, that result changes, and we could have finished first. Like it was just that close and just that obscure that anything can happen on any given day. We'll push on to the, the rev- preview of our, of our game. So the qualifying final, Geelong versus Richmond. Last time we met, Geelong 11-14-80 defeated Richmond 9-12-66 by 14 points down at Simmons. And the Cats were without Selwood, Hawkins and Duncan and they still managed to get the job done. It was a pretty impressive effort. Um, the big wild card for me in that game was Harry Taylor. He stood up and he absolutely dominated Rance. But at the same time... I think Motlop played the best game of his life that that game. I think he had the heat put on him and responded, and Guthrie played an absolute blinder as well. Uh, Rizal, I'll start with you. What are your general thoughts on the game? Uh, to be honest, I wouldn't be drawing much of a line through that last performance, to be perfectly honest. I mean, there was a few things that were sort of going against Richmond in that game, obviously having to come down here and play a, a stadium that's pretty foreign to him, and you can't really recreate it. Uh, in any way in terms of how you want to set up and, and that sort of stuff until you start playing on it. And then you factor in a pretty strong wind, uh, which makes goal kicking pretty tricky. And I think you know, a few Richmond players are missing targets and kicking overheads and that. And that just comes with experience in terms of having to know how to play the wind down at Simmons Stadium. So, I mean, while Geelong were missing some some players and, and that sort of stuff, I don't think you can you read too much into into that performance. And then coming onto the G, it just changes absolutely everything. Completely. I mean, Richmond's, as we talk about, they've got that small forward line. They've got a lot of speed. Um, they've got a lot more ground to work with in, in terms of the way they move the ball. So um, I can see this one being really close, and it just depends on whether Geelong can adapt to that wider, that wider ground at the, the G. And Sturge, what about yourself? What are your thoughts on the, the game this week? Uh, like you mentioned, um, Harry Taylor played the game of his life. Motlock did. Uh, Cam Guthrie did. Uh, if you look at the GWS game where they drew for that with that Hawkins miss after the siren, um, a lot of Geelong supporters will say they played all their kind of second stringers really stepped up because they had a weaker team that day. And I think the same thing happened uh, in in our last game. You know, a lot of Geelong supporters were saying it was their weakest team in a hundred years or things like that, and um, their second string has really stepped up. I can't imagine Harry Taylor will play uh, as well as he did again, you know, and Rance won't play as bad as he did again. Um, and then you've got blokes like Guthrie, Motlop, those kind of guys who, you know, they played 
um, about as good as they can. So the two wild cards are stopping those second stringers and letting Geelong rely a lot on an underdone Selwood and um, Dangerfield. And the MCG changes everything completely. Um, and also we've also got our wild card in now, 11 goals in two weeks, Richmond cult hero, Jacob Townsend. <laughs> he definitely is a wild card. Even for Richmond people, he's a wild card. Um, the other player as well that stood up for Geelong was Menegola. I know he got slammed a little bit in previous weeks for his goal kicking, but he had a pretty good game as well. I just felt like they they got to the ball a lot more. They were a lot harder, a lot more physical, and, and that kind of got them over the line in the end. So that's something we need to address because they absolutely smashed us in clearances up until maybe the third quarter. We kind of peaked it back a little bit. But if we let them get on top um, early on again with Selwood and Duncan back into the team, that's just got a recipe for disaster. We'll, uh, we'll go through the lines one by one. We haven't really done this before. This is the first time we'll go into a bit more depth. So we'll start with you, Sturge, with the Richmond forward line. What do you think the forward, our forwards need to do to win the battle against the Geelong defenders? Just get out of Jacob Townsend's way and let him do his thing. It's pretty much that's plan A. Um, but no, really, we need to be... Like we've said, I don't know, about half a dozen times this season on the podcast, we need to be smart going into the forward line. We can't just let the Geelong defenders zone off and bomb it long to Jack and let them get uncontested marks. We need to be smart. We need to be moving. Um, and we need to you know, hit our targets going into the forward line. And then most importantly, we need to be kicking straight like we have in the last couple of weeks. That's If we kick straight and we a smart going inside 50. There's no reason that we can't kick a winning score, I don't think. And I'll get your thoughts on a couple of other players. I know you've mentioned Townsend, but how important is Jack Rewalt and Daniel Rioli going to be to, to the outcome of the game? Um, you know, Jack Rewalt's always important to us. Um, if he kicks his two or three for the week and uh, Rioli kicks a couple and the other small forwards play their part, um, it's just massive to how how we win and also even more important than that is the pressure um it's a bigger ground so we need to be you know covering that ground and applying tackles locking it in there and getting lots of shots on um i think they're the main things time spent in the forward half is going to be massive if we can lock it in there for 50 60 percent of the game time or more um that'll be massive for us and Rizzo, on the flip side, the Geelong defenders, what do they need to do to win the battle against the Richmond Fords? Yeah, I think it's a matter of being able to, to sort of guard that space um, on the bigger ground for Geelong's defence. I think Sturge made a really good point there in terms of not allowing the Geelong defence to, to be able to drop back and, and zone off. I think we see Lockie Henderson and uh, Tom Stewart, Jake Collajesny, they all do that really well. They're, they're able to go in and, and get to the contest and, and influence it. Um, and then at the same time, it's it's getting the ball into the hands of guys like Andrew Mackey and, and Zach Tui and allowing them to, to use that extra space of the G to, to run and push the, for, the ball forward and, and sort of break those lines and, and give um, Geelong's forward line every chance of, of um, yeah, getting it one out. You mentioned Lockie Henderson and Andrew Mackey. The other one I want to talk about is Tom Lonigan. Will he be the one to take Jack, do you reckon, and have Lockie, Hansen, uh, Lockie, Hansen, Lockie Henderson try and float around or do you, do you think Lockie will play deeper? No, I think that's. I think Tom Lonigan will, will get that job on Jack. Um, 
I think they're they're pretty well suited to each other. Um, obviously, I think Lock. No offense to Tom Lonigan, but Lockie Henderson's got probably a few more strings to his his bow in terms of what he does. So, I think Chris Scott would be pretty happy, you know, to have Lonigan and and Jack Rewalt do their thing and and then allow those other guys to to play to their strengths as well. I mean, Lockie Henderson can also play smaller than than what his sort of height suggests. So, and I don't think Lonigan sort of got that that ability. So, I, I think that would be the logical matchup. I think from a Richmond perspective, we'll probably see Townsend go to Lockie Henderson and kind of do what he did against um, Carlisle last week. He pretty much played as a lockdown medium-sized forward to just try and nullify his aerial expertise um, because he, like, you know, Carlisle will cut everything off like what Henderson would. So it's going to be interesting to see how that matchup plays out. But Henderson also has the good ability to go forward too, which is another another massive wild card. Him and Taylor could swap at any time and cause a bit of chaos. We'll uh, move up to the midfield line. Sturge, the midfield battle is going to be huge. So what do you think our mids need to do to get the upper hand against the Geelong mids? If Trent Cotchin doesn't walk out on Friday night with a point to prove after the three elimination finals, then he might as well just pack his bags because this is game is massive as far as he's concerned. Um, you know, he captained those three lost elimination finals he should be going out there breathing fire i want to see him like the day against hawthorne where he came out and he was belting into blokes before the siren started um you mentioned earlier when we're talking about adelaide about targeting rory sloan because he'll be sore the same thing needs to happen with joel selwood we need to really make him feel it really make him earn earn his possessions i know he's tough as nails but uh, we need to send someone out there, um, make them earn their possessions, and also, like you were saying earlier, uh, winning those clearances and winning the contested ball is massive. And the other main point is stopping the... Um, you know, you can limit Dangerfield and Selwood only so much. It's limiting the second-string blokes like Cam Guthrie uh, and stopping them from having too much influence. It'll be massive towards the game. And do you, what kind of expectations do we have for Dusty? He's obviously just committed to the club with a big contract last week. Are we expecting a big game from him? Well, you expect a big game from him. The Brownlow elect every week, don't you? Um, he needs to go out there and show why he's worth the alleged one point whatever million. Um, <clears throat> you'd probably expect Cam Guthrie or someone like that, maybe Scott Selwood, to go to him again. Um and he just needs to do his thing. Yeah, I think sometimes this season he's tended to get... I've noticed he gets caught holding the ball a lot. Like he almost... His first instinct is almost to look for a don't argue rather than um, look for look f- for the best option to use the ball. Um, so we need to see probably less of that and more of the, you know, 40, 50-metre lace-out passes to the forwards on a lead that we've also seen this season. And Rizzo, what about the Geelong midfielder? Midfield, what do they have to do to get on top of the Tigers midfield? I think they need to kick goals. I think that's one of the crucial things. I mean, contested possession aside, which I think will win you most games of footy and and especially finals, but I think Geelong's uh, Geelong's midfield's got to get dangerous going forward. Um, I think they've they've all shown that they can kick goals. uh, Dangerfield's pretty dangerous when he's resting down there, but Mitch Duncan can, can pop up with one or two. Sam Minigola... You know, he can kick one or two. Um, even Cam Guthrie's pushed forward and spent time forward this this year. So I think where Geelong really needs to to get dangerous is is up forward with that midfield. They, in my opinion, they probably don't have 
a forward line that's going well enough to sort of kick a, a winning score without some extra help from midfield. So uh, if, if those guys can all chip in and get one goal each, then then that's massive. Um, and then also the addition of Joel Selwood, I think, just adds that little bit of steel and some toughness inside the contest, uh, which will be crucial in terms of getting the ball out to, to some of the running players like Murdoch and, and Tui. And Scott Selwood, I mean, last time we played you guys, I think all of us expected Scott to go to Dusty or Cochner and really rough him up, but he, he didn't really do that. He, he maybe followed him, but he didn't tag how he would usually tag. Do you expect to see a difference this time around? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do there. I think Scott Selwood's sort of had that shutdown role pretty much all year, but they used Cam Guthrie a little bit um, last time we played each other. So they've got a couple of options there. Um, I would doubt that they'll go a full-on tag uh, in terms of having someone following him around all day because I think what Geelong could do is maybe try and hurt Dusty going the other way, sort of keep some body on him at the contest and, and make sure he's not getting any sort of ball, getting it out. But um, I think going back the other way, that's that's where they can really sort of hurt him. It'll be interesting. Like Even if they just let all the guns go head-to-head, it would make for a good spectacle at the least. It'd be awesome. And we'll move on to the Richmond... Uh, defenders. So, Sturge, what do you think our defenders need to do against the Geelong Fords to to help us get over the line? Oh, not play as bad as they did last time we played would be a good start. Um, but in saying that, yeah, Rance can't possibly have as bad a game as he did last time we played. Probably the worst game in seasons he's played. Um, they just need to keep doing what they've been doing, you know. We've been... The back six has been very... They work so well together now, um, especially Rance, Asprey and Grimes. You know, they know exactly what each other's doing and they work well together and we need to keep doing that. Um, probably expect Rance to go to Tom Hawkins um, and then Asprey to take the second forward, be that Harry Taylor or um, if Lockie Henderson sneaks forwards and switches with them. And then... Dylan Grimes takes whoever um, and then just work together, get the ball out and be clean out of defence. Not We're only really going to have that one tall uh, barring a dimmer nightmare at selection. So, you know, we can't just be – we need to use the space of the MCG. We can't be just bombing it long down the line and hoping that Nank will take a mark um, and giving them those easy intercept marks across the half-back line. Because that's what really undid us against Sydney late in the game is we just started blazing away and, you know, anyone who's a good intercept mark is going to cut it off. So you're right, we do have to lower the eyes. And Rizzo, what about the Geelong forwards? What do they need to do to win the battle? I think it's going to be one at ground level, I think, uh, in terms of the Geelong forwards versus the, the Richmond backs. With the wet conditions, I think the ball spent a lot of time on the ground. So that means guys like uh, Brandon Parfit, Daniel Menzel, um, James Parsons, they've all sort of got to get really dangerous and, and be on the move uh, when the ball's going into the contest. I think it's probably no secret that Geelong at the G at times this year has, has looked to go long inside 50 to a, to Hawkins or a Taylor and, and that sort of stuff. And I just think with the conditions going to be the way that you sort of expected, a little bit slippery, that those sort of small forwards have, have got to have a really good game um, both offensively and defensively because, as we know, you can't really afford to allow Richmond to, to walk the ball out of defence and, and let them sort of pick their way through the MCG. So while they've got to kick goals, I mean, you just kind of, you just got to be tackling and, and keeping that pressure up and, 
and as you said, force them to sort of kick the ball long to a contest and, and then hopefully you can try and win it back on the intercept. And the, the other good play you mentioned there was Menzel. Um, I think he's had a really good year. He's super dangerous up forward. He's a very, very smart footballer and he's definitely one we have to look out for. So I, I would anticipate someone like Floston might go to him. Um, but yeah, if it's a wet day, I wouldn't be surprised if Menzel sort of really comes to the party and, and kicks a few goals. Um Sticking with, well, I suppose some ins and outs, uh, Rizzo, we're assuming that Selwood is going to definitely play. Is that what's coming out down your way? Yeah, Selwood's 100% locked in, fellas. He trained today, so, or today being Monday. Um, so he's 100% locked away. It would be something tragic that would have happened in the next few days that would stop him from, from playing. So, yeah, you could lock him in for sure. And will he be playing? He'll obviously be playing some kind of a jab, I assume, to get him through, or is he completely over the pain? Uh, not 100% sure, to be honest. He, I don't know what they've been doing with him when he's been training the last few days, whether they've jabbed it up or not. Um, if, it, if it was to happen, I don't think that would sort of stop him. So, um, yeah, potentially he might be playing with some sort of injection. So it's performance enhancing is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. Call us harder. No, that was the only angle I wanted to work that towards, and it worked out nicely. No, <laughs> in, in, despite the fact we're playing each other, you, you always want to see the good players play. Um, it just makes for a much better game of football. And like Sturge said earlier on, he's as hard as nails, and there was never any doubt, I suppose, in my mind that he was always going to play this game no matter what. Um, and yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he goes. And I suppose from a Richmond perspective, Sturge, we're obviously assuming that Josh Caddy's going to come back in. Yeah, as long as Josh Cady's right, he comes back in. Um, the only other one you'd maybe consider would be an Anthony Miles, barring a complete dimmer meltdown at selection like the North Melbourne game a couple of years ago. Um, the unlucky ones to come out, maybe, Markov, maybe Broad. I can't really see who else you could legitimately drop. Um, there's no way they can drop Townsend after the way he's been performing. Um, just to, there's no real other mids that you can drop. Well, the only um, other one, in, Jack Graham, but he's had a fantastic couple of games for his first taste of senior footy. I think he led the way in pressure acts for both games, and he played the least amount of time on ground. So, I, I can't see us justifying parting way with someone like that, especially if it's going to be wet and greasy conditions. So, I, I kind of think Markov might be the one to make way because you can have... There's a few other players who can kind of slip back into that half-back role. And, you know, we had... You mentioned Graham, who had 11 tackles in his first game of AFL, and we spoke earlier about the need for hardness and those contested balls and someone to really crack in in the middle, and he's the perfect guy to just lift for finals. Um, I know he's only played two games of AFL, but he's a he's a real chance to get in there and get the hard balls, get the tackles, really make them earn earn all their possessions. And before we finish up, we'll just get a, a prediction from, from everyone. So, Riz, I'll start with you. What's your prediction for the game, including margin? Uh, Hart would say Geelong by two goals, I reckon. But uh, Head thinks it might be a little bit closer than that. I think Richmond plays the G better than Geelong. And, and if the ball does get to ground level, I think uh, the Richmond forward line's pretty dangerous and, and can have a big game on them. So, uh, I, well, I'm, as I said, my heart's saying Geelong. I think my head says Richmond by, by five points in, in one that could go down to the last minute. 
tell you what, if it goes down to that close, they better have a lot of Ambos on standby because there'd be a lot of heart attacks happening at the G that day. <laughs> and Sturge, what about yourself, mate? What's your prediction? Um, you know, Hart obviously wants Richmond to win, um, probably by a couple of goals or so, but Head probably says that since we don't win by 10 goals, we'll Richmond probably just ease home by 59. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've obviously read the thread and someone asked for an outlandish call and there it is uh, I, I can't ignore the history of our lack of success against Geelong I, I know it's a different game and it's finals and all that kind of stuff but I oh know they just seem to have the wood over us and yeah I, I, while I would love Richmond to win I just think that Geelong are going to come out with a massive point to prove with the whole game being moved and Selwood coming back. I think it's Dangerfield's 200th as well. So there's a fair bit on the line for them as well. And I just think their experience might be a little bit too good for us. Um, we've, I mean, people often forget how young our team is, especially up forward. So I think Geelong might win by anywhere between 10 to 16 points. But if we were to win, I think it'll be... If we win, I think we'll end up doing it by about 20. We'd actually get away from it. I don't think we'll win by a close one. If it's close, they'll snag it. But, yeah, I think we're, our only chance is to kick away and, and try and hold them at bay. It's a good point you make there, though, mate, with the, the finals experience and the big game experience. I mean, there's probably a few more Geelong players that have played in that type of atmosphere before, and it's going to be a new thing for, for the Richmond faithful, isn't it? The 100,000 people at the G, big final, what's to play for it. It can make or break those young guys, can't it? Oh, absolutely. And like I said, a lot of our bar, take Jack Reward out, the rest of our forward line have played less than 50 games for each of the players. So uh, they could all very well just shit themselves and go into their shell and, and don't apply any pressure at all and you guys will run all over us. It's a, it's a real possibility. Um, but I'd like to think that Dim has kind of, you know, got him working as well as he can and... You know, do you treat it like another game, or do you tell them to just enjoy it and absorb the fact that it's finals and and just do what they do best? I don't know, but yeah, it's. I think the experience definitely comes into it. On the other hand of that, you say they haven't played that many games. So on the flip side of that, there's also the fact that a lot of our players hopefully don't have the mental scarring of those three elimination final losses because they weren't involved in all of them or... Um, any of them in some cases. So, you know, that could also be a positive for us if a few blokes step up and they're not worried about, oh, we've already lost three, we can, they can just be free to play their natural game. Yeah, it's kind of like a clean slate, I guess, for a lot of them, which is definitely a help for us. And I just think we need to stick to what we've done all year and that was just let them play. Like, there's a couple of guidelines here and there, but just, yeah, let, let them do what they want to do. But... No, definitely promises to be a good game. Um, looking forward to it. You obviously going along to the game, Rizzo? Yeah, going to go there for work, which should be good. Um, means you can't go barracking in the in the press box, but uh, going to be looking forward to it. At least it's a ticket into the game. There's a few people who are probably shattered that they didn't get one. Yeah, it's um, as you've seen a lot of stories around the place where people have missed out, but. You know, it's going to be, what, ninety six to 100,000 people potentially. I mean, I hope the rain does hold off to try and get more in, but no, it promises to be an exciting game. So just a reminder for everyone who doesn't know already, the game's on Friday the 8th at 7.50pm at the MCG, and if you're not going to the game, we're live on Channel 7 and on Fox Footy at 730 And just for those Richmond people who are heading to the game and want to have a bit of a drink earlier, there is a thread on the board uh, trying to organise a meet-up, so make sure you pop in there and 
and um, yeah, try and meet up with some of the other Bigfooty posters. So Sturge, thank you for making yourself available to come on again. I know you nominated yourself for this episode real early on, but uh, thanks for coming on on a Monday night, which I know doesn't suit you, so I appreciate that. No worries. Thanks for having me, mate, and go Tigers, and I look forward to maybe meeting a few of you at, for a beer before the game on Friday night. And Rizzo, big thanks to you for coming on. So it was a little bit late notice while we tried to work out what we wanted to do, but no, I appreciate your time, um, and I would wish you luck, but I, I wouldn't mean it. So, <laughs> but I've been great chatting to you, and thanks heaps for coming on. No, nah, no stress at all, mate. Thanks for having me. And yeah, anytime you you need someone to have a chat about cats, I'm always happy to to come and have a chat with you guys. Sounds good. All right, and that just about does it. So until next time, go Tigers. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go Tigers!